Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. And renew a right spirit within me. And cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And hold not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. Lord, um, that prayer, that song, is um, the cry of our hearts. Sometimes I don't even think we realize it. But I believe that our hearts are crying out for this cleansing all the time. Um, sometimes, as I mentioned, we, we struggle to articulate what that feeling is, but it's, that's what it is. And, and um, the good news is this, Jesus, that that's, that's exactly what you offer. And we thank you for the privilege that we have to, to enter into that cleansing. I want to thank you for the privilege that we have to enter into this, this space during the week, it's a, it's a cafeteria where kids come and eat and are nourished. But on Sunday mornings, it's a space where we gather to come and to be nourished. And to praise you as you deserve to be praised, of course. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us now and continue to fall upon us in these acts of worship that we are um, offering to you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would move in a mighty and profound and powerful way, that our hearts would be open in ways that we didn't even know they were closed. I pray, Lord, that any word spoken today um, that I might be inclined to say that is not of you, that you wouldn't allow it to happen, that only your truth and your hope um, would, would get in, that your seed of truth would be planted in our lives and produce fruit in our lives that would uh, serve to draw others to the same hope that we have been drawn to, which is you, Jesus. Um, I thank you because I, don't, I believe that, that there's not, never going to be a moment like this ever again where this particular group of people have been gathered together. And for, for that very reason, I believe that this, this moment is, is so profoundly purposeful that it would be a really bad idea to just take it for granted. So with that in mind, I'm asking that you would help, that you would give us some supernatural focus today. That we would focus on your word, that we would focus on how your spirit is, is at work and alive in the midst of it. And that it would indeed transform us so that you can use us to transform the world. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you for the privilege of just getting to be here with my friends today. And for what, the work you've already done, the worship that has been received, and I hope given in joy, and for the worship that will continue, not just through this message time, but throughout our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share something with you this morning that could fall into the category of TMI. You know what that is, right? Too much information, but I'm going to share it anyway. Typically, 
I don't take a shower on Saturdays. I, I just, you know what, Saturday, this is my typical Saturday, all right? I, I, usually I don't schedule a whole lot of things on Saturdays. I just do a few things around the house. But most of the time, it's just preparing emotionally and intellectually for the things that we're going to be doing today. Um, because it's, that's, that's very important to me, I think, and hopefully it is to you. So I don't really plan a lot of things, which means that um, I can just kind of get up in the morning, brush my teeth. I do brush my teeth. Thankful for that, huh? Brush my teeth, throw on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and a cap. Don't, don't ever wash your hair on Saturdays, all right? And that's me for the day. And that's, honestly, am I the only one that does that? I'm not the only one, thank you. The rest of you are lying. If you have a chance to relax, you should relax sometimes, okay? That's just the way it should be. But here's my confession. Generally on Saturday, somewhere around 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm beginning to regret my choice. And it's not because I'm stinky either, and I know that's what you were giggling at. Well, I don't think I'm stinky. (laughs) Never mind. It's somewhere around 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I just start feeling kind of gritty. And I, I miss or I regret the fact that I didn't start my day feeling refreshed and renewed, which is the way I feel when I start the day having taken a shower, all right? Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's not that I've done a lot of physical labor up to that. I may have. I may have done some things around the house, but typically that's not the reason. It's just this is it. This is what happens. I, I just feel like I want to... I wished I had started the day refreshed and renewed. Now, my guess is I'm not the only one that feels like that because it's just part of the human condition. But what I want you to understand this morning is that this this feeling of being refreshed and renewed is not intended only for the physical you. This feeling of being refreshed and renewed is intended for the spiritual you as well. You see, it's possible that many of you came to church this morning feeling like you needed a spiritual bath or a shower, and you didn't even know how to articulate it. You just knew that there was, you needed something. You see, what happens is this. Because we live in a lost and fallen and sinful world, the grit and the grime of life just falls on us. And that's not even to, to mention the times when we as human beings kind of wallow in the muck and the mire of sin intentionally. My point is that it happens. And we all know it and we sense it and we feel it, but we don't often know what to do about it. Well, that's what this morning is about. It's about God letting you know that that feeling that you've been struggling to articulate, that to, that you needed to be refreshed and renewed and you didn't even know that you, or how to say it or, or, to, or what to do about it. Today is about that. You see, we have been for a while here at Prairie Bible Church, we have been in the midst of a sermon series entitled Marks of Discipleship. And basically, just as a reminder and a refresher for everybody, this series is intended to identify the things that we can do as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, that will help us to reflect Jesus more brightly to the world. And this morning, 
is no different. As we continue in that, um, I want, God wants to show you how to be refreshed and renewed so that you might reflect Jesus more brightly to the world. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the Old Testament book of, of Psalms uh, chapter 51. If you haven't already done so, please do so. Um, and as you're doing that, I want to give you a little context, things you may have already known. So some of this may be a reminder, some of it may not be, but it's important to recognize and remember before we get into the, this one little verse that we're going to look at. As you may know, the book of Psalms, the Old Testament book of Psalms, is a, a collection of songs, of um, prayers, and liturgy, really, that the Jews used in worship originally back in the day. And um, what would happen is this. They, they would come up with these, these psalms. Um, some of them were written by unnamed um, priests that would u- be used in worship. But most of them actually were, were written or inspired by God and written by King David. Now that's important to understand because this this particular psalm that we're going to be looking at today is an example of a prayer that King David wrote and that they used and they even put to, to song in the Old Testament. Now why is it important to recognize that this was written by King David? Well, who was King David? Number one, we know that King David was a deeply spiritual human being. In fact, King David was best known, is best known, as a man after God's own heart. He loved God more than he loved life. And that's, and if he were alive today, which he is, I believe, uh, and he, if he were to know that all of you, the best way that you would define him as a man after God's own heart, it would just make his heart sore, all right? But here's something else about King David that you must be aware of. King David was also a sinner, just like you and me. Um, probably the greatest or the biggest difference between King David as a sinner and you and I as a sinner is this. King David's sin was actually written down and then shared throughout centuries with all of you. Can you imagine if your sin had been written down in a book and said, oh, by the way, today we're going to study uh, Lisa's sin. And, I mean, never. We wouldn't like that, would we? Point is, King David was a human being who loved God, but was also a broken, sinful human being, just like the rest of us. You need to keep that in mind now as you go back to Psalm 51, verse 10. Here we have King David lifting this prayer to God, saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Let me say that again, just so that you, it sinks in. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, there's two things in that one little verse that are fundamentally important for you as a Christian. Fundamentally important in that if you grasp these things, the ability that you have to be a Christian, to live out the marks of discipleship, will grow up uh, exponentially. The first thing, the first uh, realization that you can glean from this one little verse is 
that King David recognized that he had a problem. All right? Now, why is that a big deal? Because we all know that without recognizing that you have a problem, you're never going to get over the problem. That's, that's half the battle, just simply recognizing that you have a problem. He knew that his heart was dirty. He knew that he was broken. He knew that he was sinful. He knew he felt gritty and grimy, and he had been wallowing around in the muck and the mire. And he knew that he needed help. The first and most important recognition of overcoming a problem is recognizing that you have a problem, all right? But you can't stop there either, right? First, you recognize you have a problem. And then, what's the verse say again? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So he recognized that he had a problem. And the second realization that he came to was that he wasn't capable of solving the problem. That's a big deal. You want to know one of the biggest misconceptions, theological misconceptions that we human beings have about our relationship with God? One of the biggest, wrongest, is that a word? (laughs) Whatever. Misconceptions that we have about our relationship with God is that we have to clean ourselves up before God will accept us. I don't know if any of you brought that stuff with you today, but if you did, you need to leave it at the altar today. That is a lie from the devil. You need to know that God loves you enough that he accepts you right where you are, the way that you are. But you must also recognize that he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you there. Do not believe. You've heard people say, well, I can't go to church. If I walked in the door of the church, the roof would fall in. That's silly. That is the devil saying you're not, you're not good enough. And you're really not good enough if it weren't for Jesus, but he loves you so much you are good enough. He's saying, come. Recognize that it's not your job to clean your own heart. And that's where Jesus comes in. The way in which God has chosen to do this cleansing is by becoming one of us. And we just celebrated that at, at, uh, at Christmas. Jesus was born a babe in a manger. He grew to be a man. He died on the cross. And he rose again on the third day in the hope. And that's all it was. There was, there was no guarantee that any of you would accept the offer that he's, that he's making. In the hope that you would accept this free gift of hope and salvation, of cleansing, by receiving him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. You see, the only one that can do the work of cleaning you up is Jesus. It's not your job. You need to recognize that you have a problem, and then you need to admit that the only one that can ultimately solve the problem is Jesus. Okay, I'm going to stop right there for just a second, because the next part, I'm, going to, I'm probably going to be going from preaching to meddling here, so be prepared, all right? It is true that the only one 
that can clean you up, that has the power to clean you up, is Jesus. But there is something that you and I are being called to do, being actually required to do, to facilitate the work of God in you. Remember earlier when um, we identified the first realization was that you need to recognize you've got a problem, right? Well, ultimately, recognizing it is just the beginning. The practical step that, that we must take for that to have true power is to confess it. It's called confession. Now, the whole idea or concept or theology of con- confession has had a long and kind of rocky and misunderstood, um, I, I think, history within Christianity. For example, the, the Catholic Church, as many of you know, um, has a sacrament of confession. And they, it, they believe it is their responsibility um, to go to the priest they are called, they are commanded to go to the priest and to confess their sin to the priest to receive penance and absolution. I don't understand all that stuff, so I don't want to get too far into it, but you understand where I'm coming from. Now, having stated that, there are many people, maybe some of you, that you hear that, you know that's part of the Catholic tradition and part of our tradition too, by the way, and you think, wait a minute, that's not right. I shouldn't have to go to another human being. You ever hear anybody say this? I shouldn't, ever, I shouldn't have to go to another human being to confess my sin because it's not another human being that's going to be cleansing me of my sin or forgiving me of my sin. God, we've already determined that. That's, God's, that's Jesus' responsibility, right? That's true. But did you know that the Bible says that you are to confess your sin one to another? James 5.16. If you need some proof, you want to go look it up in your Bible, do it right now. Because you shouldn't just believe because I say it, by the way. Confess your sin one to another. Now, I want to stop right there. And you should be asking the question, why? If indeed God is the one that does the cleansing and the forgiving, why do I need to confess, confess my sin to another human being? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons for it, honestly. But I want to share with you two powerful reasons that that I think will help you to grasp it and maybe own it. The first is this. We human beings are sneaky. One of the reasons why I think we gravitate to the whole idea of confessing, we don't need another human being to confess our sin, is because when... It's just another, when it's God, not just God, but when it's God that we're confessing our sin to, we can, when two days later we can go, you know, no, nobody else really knows, right? And you can just pretend like it never happened if you want to. But if you were to go to another human being and say, confess your sin, it's hard to do that, right? Because that person knows, which is part of the scariness of all this. So there's another level of accountability that comes to confess your sin one to another that you don't have otherwise. But I think there's something even more spiritually visceral 
I think there's something even more fundamentally powerful that happens when we human beings confess our sin one to the other. One of the things that I have been doing pretty much my whole life is I, am, I have this, this obsession with revival. You know what revival is? Revival is when God breaks in to our realities. When God begins to move in the world in a way that literally transforms the world. And there is, you can go and you can read the history of revival. You can find these works out there. Let me, let me tell you what happens. In every instance that I've been able to find, in every instance when God breaks into human reality and begins to, to, do, to revive our spirits, to, to do these powerful things that, has the, that oftentimes will transform an entire nation, in every instance when these world revivals have occurred, they began when people started confessing their sin to one another. That's just an, an absolute truth. You can read it in the histories. It's almost as though the words, speaking the words, the confession of, of your sin, it's almost as though it, it has the power to burst through these walls that we have created between ourselves and God. And it's, it's as though it, it sets God free to do the work in us that He's been wanting to do all along. Now some of you are sitting back and you're saying, wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, Craig. Are you suggesting that in order for me to have a revival in my spirit, in order for Prairie Bible Church to have a revival that we've got to start coming to you because you're the priest, pastor in this particular situation, uh, and, and we, we have to confess our sins to you. And No, that's not what I'm saying to you. That's not what I'm suggesting at all. This is what I'm suggesting, and this is where it goes from preaching to meddling. I challenge you to start investing in relationships. Maybe it's in your life group. Maybe it's in um, uh, an accountability or prayer partner relationship that you have. I challenge you to start investing in some kind of a relationship with a brother and sister or sister of the faith where you love one another and trust one another deeply enough that you could confess your sin to one another. Because you know they love you and because you know they care about you and they will hold you accountable. I have no idea whether you came in here feeling dirty or not. But I hope you came feeling hungry for God. And if you came hungry for God, I'm telling you right now, if you can build the kind of relationship with a brother or a sister in the faith where you can be that transparent and that authentic with them, that you could say, this is what I'm struggling, this is a sin I'm struggling with. And I know you love me. And I want you to pray for me and to hold me accountable. That's where it starts. That's scary. And I, I don't misunderstand me. I understand how scary what I just challenged you with is. But I can tell you it's worth it. It's worth the investment. Not just for you, but for our church and 
and more importantly for the world because you'll be knocking down those walls and people will better be able to see the light of Jesus in you because of it. The only one that can do the work, the only one that has the power to clean you up, to give you that, that cleansing that you need is Jesus. But I believe that you are being called to provide the soap. <laughs> confession. You've ever heard that old saying that says confession is good for your soul? It may be old, but it's the truth. Remember.